0: episode 240 of the sleeper in the bus podcast i am your host paul sport it is the thursday edition and i am joined on thursdays by eno saris Eno, how you doing i'm doing good doing good it's good to hear some day baseball going on looks Mm -hmm. like the uh uh braves are trying to win it in the ninth here after a terrible error by alexia marista on a routine grounder By Andrew Ten Simmons, we'll see what's going on with that. Oakland uh, up one nothing early on Texas, but we're here to talk about news and different players on the fantasy landscape. And we got to start with injuries. You know, we got to dive right into it because a big injury came down. It's uh, Andrew Miller is going to hit the disabled list with uh, with forearm issue, and honestly, I think right now and and and, uh, our rotographs rankings, the bullpen uh, write up crew and myself, we put uh, Andrew Miller number one. Uh, you know, as the top reliever going right now, and I think that that was completely justified. Of course, his going down with an injury is going to take him out of that number one spot. But I honestly believe his replacement, Dallin Betances, now becomes the number one guy. <laughs> what do you think of Miller, and uh, and how far am I off in your estimation? If I am, if you believe I am, uh, regarding Betances now becoming the top guy.
1: Well, I don't know. Um, I don't know the extent of the injury, and it's you know just in general, it's it's uh, it's not clear yet. As I understand it, it's kind of like a chain um, that kind of goes up from your hand, and that if you like, let's say if you ignored a forearm strain, it could turn into Tommy John. Exactly. And if you ignored Tommy John, it could turn into shoulder problems. I think that's that's why there's some evidence that the we're catching these um, elbow injuries, and there's more Tommy Johns, but total days on the DL are not actually that far up. Uh, because I think what we're doing is catching it in the elbow before it gets to the shoulder. Oh wow, uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, so I, you know, that's a big thing that Zimmerman talks about is that yeah, it looks like Tommy John surgeries are up, but you know, if you look at total days in the DL, they're not up that much, and um, shoulder injuries are always way worse and exactly. take more time on the DL. So I guess we're we're sort of trading, you know, a year with a you know a good outcome most of the time uh for you know year plus with you know like look at Pineda. um how long it's taken oh, him yeah. to come back and and how you know how shaky that is and so i think you know uh long term it's a good thing if they caught it and it's uh even if it does lead to tj then it's better than something worse uh,
0: but i you know i don't know I, people are like is he droppable i don't think he's droppable not until it is no 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 that that seems insane to me to just drop him just because sometimes we see forearm strains as a precursor to tommy john no you'd have to be absolutely nuts i can't envision a single league format where i would where i would just cut him um to to be fair i know what you're talking about
1: before that the the Batanas is now becoming number one that's the sort of I think that's the the mental uh, hill that you start rolling down.
0: Oh, uh, that, like, that well, even when he comes back, he's not going to get Tances the job back.
1: Made, and what if Miller is any lesser when he comes back? And what sure. if the Tance kills it while he's gone? And, but you, you, I mean, this is why we have DL slots, and if you – DL slots are really full, I can't imagine that there's not somebody else who can drop first. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, but Tance, you know, I, I, it was really weird. The first few outings this year, he didn't throw his his fastball. <laughs> He, he threw his, like, breaking pitch over and over again. And it was, was walking everybody. Yeah, and then – and I don't know if it was, like, an injury thing or something because there has been, you know, some injury stuff for him in the past. But, sure. uh, you know, when the fastball did finally rear its head, it's, you know, still
0: 96 or whatever so. Yeah, uh, but has been the best peer reliever in baseball. Uh, the only reason he's not the top guy in, in fantasy, of course, is because of saves. And that's why I say that at least for the time that he's in – uh, I would put Matanzas Bet- as the number one guy very easily, um, at, while Miller's on the shelf. But like you said, do not get rid of Miller at the very least. If you thought, if you start rolling down the hill, you're talking about, and you thought that you just it's going to go south for Miller, and you're going to have to go get your saves elsewhere, at the very least, trade him for fifty cents on the dollar because mm-hmm. somebody would want him, and you could get something, um, and you probably could get even more than fifty cents on the dollar, even with him being injured here. So. Do not cut Andrew Miller. That seems crazy to me. Uh, yeah, moving on. it's oh. funny though. He's
1: still he's still throwing the fastball less than the slider. Um, but you know, I have noticed this with the with a couple of the guys who have the ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight mile an hour fastballs. You, you know, even Garrett Richards and some other guys. Uh, sometimes throwing it less often yeah, makes it a more effective pitch. And I think uh, you sort of lull them to sleep a little bit. I mean. It, it's, well, yeah, it makes the wrong word for an eighty-four mile an hour slider, but you know, you kind of lull them to sleep at eighty-four with the with you know seeing half sliders, and then boom, ninety-six just looks impossible. So well,
0: any 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 major league batter can time heat. So right. you know, if you get too uh, too dependent on it at times, uh, and it's not you know it's not as sharp from like a movement standpoint, then uh, yeah. then you, you can get crushed. And, and so yeah, there there there's definitely merit to to something like that where you know, uh, lean on the fastball a little bit less and it gives a little bit more punch. First off, the effective velocity standpoint of jumping from the mid 80s to the high 90s uh, is enough to really give him a boost. Depending on where he's spotting it, too, you get an extra boost. So, yeah, I think that's the right move for Batansis. He's an absolute stud. Let's move on and talk about uh, Ryan Zimmerman, who's going to hit the 15 day disabled list with plantar fasciitis in his left foot. It's been a nightmare for him this season. He's got a 209, 265, 346 triple slash. Um, and, and Ryan Zimmerman just hasn't been anything like uh, the guy that, that we all expected. And the foot, I'm sure, has been a big part of that, Um, you know. And and so, you know, he's got five homers. It's it's been bad, but you know, he's not completely uh, tanking your team. At least he's giving you a little bit of pop there, but uh, not what was expected. Tyler Moore it looks like somebody who's going to benefit primarily from this with regards to uh, filling the role in Washington. But what do you think of Zimmerman? Uh, are you worried about him the, the rest of the way because of the plantar fasciitis or, or, or anything else? Um, or do you think that this time off could help him you know, at least get healthier than he was and then maybe play well for a little while, like hopefully we see from Corey Dickerson who's, who's returning from his plantar fasciitis uh, today, I believe?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a little difference in age there between the, uh, the two. Sure. Uh, and, and I'd always bet on uh, Dickerson, um, you know, just if they were the same kind of player. I'd, I'd still bet on Dickerson to come back because his age. I remember, though, that Albert Pujols was really suffering from fasciitis. Al- uh, and, it, and it, you know, it did hurt him for a season, but um, he seems to have recovered somewhat from that. So, um, you know, I, I, I it may be part it may be part of why he struggled to date. Hopefully, you know, getting it right would get him right. But I, I see I see issues that I'm not sure are plantar fasciitis. I mean, it's, it's very hard to know. Yeah. But, you know, like, like uh, maybe pain in his foot could lead to the most ground balls for fly balls that uh, he's ever hit, basically. I could see that he uh, that, can't. That, that, it could, maybe. I don't know. It, it could be a weight transfer thing. Yeah. Maybe he can't efficiently um, transfer his weight for power. Uh, but at the same time, he's also, you know – Become slightly more opposite field minded as he's as he's gotten older, um, and he's Could got that be this, the
0: same thing though not getting strength in your base
1: to yeah to pull the ball I, to me pull center up was more of a decision um, on on how to sort of attack the ball
0: sure um, I, I absolutely is but but your decisions may be limited or altered by uh, an injury. Right. Uh, you know, based on what you can do, what your body's telling you. Yeah, that that's cool. Don't necessarily so.
1: Have the power. Then you don't go for the pulling as much. That could be true. I mean, the lowest pull percentage of his career, but you know, if I didn't know about the plantar fasciitis, I would be t- talking right now about the too many ground balls, uh, the really low pull percentage saying to me that I don't really end up really low, uh, hard percentage, both the lowest of his career um, saying to me that he's just not hitting the ball hard. He's not pulling the ball. He's not showing the same authority. Now, could we all tie this to the to the plantar fasciitis? Maybe, but you know Dickerson was doing a lot was near his career levels with it, and from what I've heard, it's a pain thing. Now, you know everyone has a personal threshold for pain, and if it if he's just sort of pulling off that foot and then not you know being able to sort of grind that foot into the ground and, and get his power from it, then uh, then it could be the source of all this. Um, so I mean you could. Look past what he's done to date and say, okay, that's all injury. Sure. And when he comes back, maybe, you know, even then, when he comes back, maybe he can hit 260 with slightly above league average power and slightly above league average patience. Okay, but first
0: base, yeah, I mean, he, he plays first base eligible, but first, third, and outfield are the three positions for Ryan Zimmerman, the three deepest ones um, on the field. Are you cutting him right now in a in a mixed league? Let's let's say let's say fewer than fifteen teams. Uh, if,
1: if in the meantime, because yeah, I think Zimmerman was part of a plan for people, I don't think Zimmerman was the answer for anyone anywhere. Uh, but there were probably some people who drafted Zimmerman and another third baseman, um, uh, you know, to to cover their their uh, to cover like a, a reach that they made somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, let me—I'm trying to like think of a of a situation. I'm going to pull up the rankings. Um, well, I. Uh,
0: I mean, let's in, say, in, in, in let's say mixed, I got uh, I got Machado and Zimmerman, and yeah, you know, because I I didn't really know, you know, what what how, how Machado's health might be, things like that. So right, I, exactly. I purposely got those two pretty pretty close proximity, thinking that you know, worst case I'm just going to put Zimmerman in the outfield. That's where I have played him most of the year. But now obviously, uh, yeah, he's on yeah. And I think
1: if you, you might have done like a Zimmerman Carpenter, um, maybe even Zimmerman Bryant, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, so- I think that's probably what people did.
0: No, and yeah, I, it, I agree.
1: If you did that and your other one, you know, hit, like if you, 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 uh, your lotto ticket, your other lotto well, ticket hit.
0: All three of those risks, I mean, and they all had risks coming in the yard. all three of them hit, so that, that part helps.
1: But let's say you did, you paired him with Pedro Alvarez or Sandoval, Chase Headley or, um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, but uh,
0: usually, I th- at least my thinking with getting center. somebody like Zimmerman, you're getting a high floor type of guy. So why would you do Zimmerman Sandoval? That's 2 high floor guys. So you know, even even Alvarez, maybe Alvarez because you know you want to take the gamble that he's going to be 35 bombs. So I, I can see that one. Castellanos, so Castellanos Zimmerman, you might have done. Yeah, but you'd have paid for Zimmerman much earlier, and then Castellanos. Uh, so in that case, you would be relying a little bit more on Zimmerman. Either way, though, there's been so – there's so much depth at third base that, that that's kind of come into things uh, from like guys if I had emerging. Between
1: dropping Ryan Zimmerman and Andrew Miller. What's that? Uh, if I had to choose between dropping Ryan Zimmerman and Andrew Miller, I'd drop Ryan
0: Zimmerman. Easily. Easily that yeah that that, that's that's a slam dunk but I'm even saying you know in other situations um, You don't have 10 12 team mix. You do not have to keep Zimmerman if you're in a yahoo league where they only allow like two dl spots Right, you do not have to keep him, you know, I don't think anyone's gonna be racing out there to get him and if they do uh, So so what because honestly if if you're cutting him if you're in a position to cut him then your third base First base and outfield, are probably fine And then if he does come back and, and you know hits for an 850 OPS oh well you know it, it's not the end of the world and it's not it, it's not looking like that's necessarily going to happen with him we'll see what the time off does for him we've, we've seen and what kind with of the,
1: with the time off you're getting production if you pick something else up so you he'd has to he'd have to overcome two to four weeks of production you get from somebody else
0: exactly so So, yeah yeah. you you can move on from Zimmerman if you need to let's talk about Miguel Gonzalez a guy that we were uh showing some love for the other day based on uh something that you had written showing that you know one of his pitches was really standing out you know there was some believability to kind of what he was doing here having a really nice season for the Orioles um where the results you know uh, or, or excuse me, where the skills back the results a little bit more than we had seen uh, the year before for Miguel Gonzalez. Well, now he's going to go to the disabled list with a groin injury. I don't think this is going to be a major issue. Are, are you, would you be worrying about him? Would you be trying to hold him, I guess, uh, in the leagues where, you know, where, where you're going to be rostering him? So obviously we're talking deeper leagues. Uh, would you be afraid to, to let, let him go, or, or would you be making sure that you open up a DL spot for Miguel Gonzalez?
1: Mm. You know I did just trade for him, but it was in a deeper league um, yeah I mean
0: anywhere that he's owned, unless you're streaming him, uh, we're talking about a deeper league for sure. I've got him in a 15 team mixed and you know I'd rather not cut him, but if I see some juicy two-star you know starter out there and and yeah, I've got some full dLs with, uh, with Doolittle and, and, and a couple of other uh, hitters, I'm, I might have to I might have to move on.
1: Well in that case, in that particular situation I'd probably drop Doolittle. Um, just, you know, shoulder scares the daylights out of me. It's been scaring you velocity. from the jump,
0: by the way. I, w- I will give you that. You and, you and Colette. Uh, or no, maybe that was just Colette who was – because he, he – no, I, I he,
1: did roster him a couple times. But uh, the first time the velocity readings came out, I was
0: I was terrified. Colette was back in preseason saying no thanks. So uh, I, I, I jumped on that one and, and that grenade has exploded on me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean – like I said, we talked about Gonzalez that we've seen some good things here. I don't think you have to bend over backwards to try to keep him. But, um, you know, if he is somebody that you kind of moved on from and you don't think he's going to get picked up, then stay tuned, you know, for, for the news for when he comes back in a couple of weeks. I don't think this is going to be a major, uh, long, long-term thing. I, I feel like he could probably, uh, get by with three weeks, uh, maybe, maybe a month, but, uh, a, a groin probably shouldn't take him that that long so yeah if it is gonna be a three week thing and you do cut him then maybe after two weeks you check see if he's still there pick him up uh, ahead of the rush and then see if he can keep doing what he's doing because he's been pretty good. A three thirty three ERA, one twelve whip, that's what I like there. And then a twenty percent strikeout rate for Miguel Gonzalez. It's not overwhelming, but it's passable. You know, last year when he's when he's rocking a seventeen percent strikeout rate with a one thirty whip, it's hard to keep the three twenty three ERA. So uh, I like Miguel Gonzalez but but not someone that you have to go crazy for. Yeah. yeah last guy or excuse me uh well I guess we already talked about Dickerson so yeah the last guy we're talking about here Zach kozart is his his dream comeback season here has been derailed a knee injury uh puts him out for the year he was having a fantastic season we were talking about him saying you know he, he might be back to the level of the guy who was hitting double digit home runs for what two or three years in a row uh yeah a couple years ago though yeah it was two years in a row 2013 and 2012 and then down to four last year I'm like okay well he's got nine so far probably not gonna even double that necessarily but you know could have hit six seven eight more but uh, obviously we'll hit no more this year the knee injury puts him out for the year shortstop's really tough and so if you kind of jumped on board with Cozart and, and we're getting the great production and we're enjoying it uh, now, now you're kind of toast. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to fix. Any names out there that, that you think might be available at shortstop that you would uh, be seeking to replace Cozart with?
1: Well, I think he's mostly probably owned an NL onlys where um, you're really screwed. But I think yeah, it would probably be worth uh, spending your some FAB or waiver pick on his replacement. Um, uh, Ivan DeJesus Jr.? Oh no, I think it's gonna be Eugenio Sorry. Oh, okay,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. I, I I think I heard that as well, but uh, I, I remember yeah, the Jesus, Jesus came Suarez in for him like yesterday.
1: The, yeah, he's the he's the he's more of a uh, utility guy and yeah. As far as is the guy they traded uh, Simone for Exactly, so uh, they they like him. And you know a little bit of maybe a little bit even more than I do, but uh, I mean he's an old Tigers prospect who's I think is gonna strike out around League Average, gonna walk around League Average and gonna have Slightly better than the average power, so.
0: I think you, uh, I think you've about nailed it, and I think, uh, the, I think the defense will be all right, so they won't be necessarily looking to get him out of there. I think, he's, I think he's a pretty decent prospect, especially at shortstop, given where we are right now with shortstop. And like you said, the leagues, you know, Cozart was at 50% owned in ESPN leagues. So, you know, some of the shallower leagues had start, started to jump on board just because shortstop's been so bad and he was doing so well. Uh, so I, th- I do think there'll be some mixed league hurt here for him, although it will be easier to replace. But I, I agree with you on, on Suarez in NL only league. I think that's that's someone worth going for because, again, if you're talking all those league average components, that that's fine. He doesn't have to be excellent. Uh, if you can be average in a few things at shortstop these days, you're you're a stud at the position in fantasy.
1: Yeah, I mean, who's who's really you know might be on the wire and NL only if Jeez. you can't get Suarez is like Ruben Tejada. Maybe,
0: maybe. but he, but he's been on fire lately. So anyone that just kind of checks the uh, you know last two weeks or something when they're making their bids, he's probably snapped up. Alexi I'm, I'm looking in an NL only right now to see uh, the top guy that's available is Jonathan Herrera, Hector Gomez, Rafael Noah, Andres Blanco, Pedro Siriaco. It's tough. It's rough out there. So, yeah, that's really tough in the NL only. That, that, that Eugenio Suarez bidding could get out of hand in, in NL only leagues. I'm so serious. Like, all of a yeah. sudden, someone's paying like 19 for him. Or,
1: like, Whoa, what?
0: Uh, but yeah, if you need that shortstop, you might need to get up there and, and, and start spending. I don't league, necessarily
1: think that uh, there are a lot of shortstops that I would replace with Eugenio Suarez. Like, if I was in an NL only league yeah, I and I was running out heck of area from the Marlins... You know, I don't think I would necessarily think that I needed to replace Heckerberry Suarez.
0: Completely agree.
1: O- Odebel Herrera, I don't think so. Uh, if I was running, uh, you know, Alexi Amarista, like the, those guys, if I was running Amarista out there as my shortstop or Tejada as my shortstop, I might be interested in getting Suarez. But there aren't a lot of uh, shortstops that uh, I would take Suarez over. So maybe the bidding will mostly be the Cozart guy wondering. You know, how high do I have to go to, to make to, sure to I get? To ensure it. this, yeah. <laughs> and in that case, that's just going to be a personal decision that you have based on how much FAB you have left, how well you're doing, how important it is for you to get replacement level at bats in there. I mean, you well, know, yeah, six, because
0: a, in a in a deep single league, you can sometimes almost afford a zero. It's almost better than the scrub that you might put in. And I, yeah, and I guess you know
1: Suarez could go either way because of course you know the first time he hit the league, uh, he struck out more, he struck out more than he ever did in the minors, and and um, didn't show that same power. And if he does that again, you know he's going to be a drain on your batting average, not give you any power, going to be playing at the bottom of the lineup, not stealing. So you know there's 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 definitely the chance that he's below replacement level as a bat, you know, without. Even with the shortstop, you know, addition in there, Cozart, I think, was pretty close before this year to being below replacement in most leagues. Oh yeah, no, it was tough last year. It was like,
0: yeah, that's why he was so freely available coming into the year. When he did start kind of busting through, because last year was so bad, it's like I can't even can't even deal with that at shortstop.
1: So I I tell people who are in that position not to go over twenty dollars. Um, you know, not to, you know, use 50% of their budget they have left on, on Ueno sorry, Suarez, I think, um, you know, I'd almost rather trade, you know, something, you know, than I agree. Uh, and spend like 25 bucks on Ueno Suarez. Now, if it comes down to like 16, 13 to 16, something like in there, uh, I think that's fine. And, you know, it's funny, I was thinking about this, um. We kind of make recommendations for, for these numbers, and they sometimes fall in these certain places where it's like, oh, 13 or 16 or seven, you know, because it's like, well, one more than 15.
0: Yeah. I was looking
1: at old bids. That's what happens. Oh, yeah. You know? I do it all the time. I, I... If people go up to like a 15 and they decide, okay, I, w- I would like to spend 15. Now, in order to spend 15, I either have to spend 16 or 17.
0: I, and, I, I uh, want a Trumbo bid at 56. And it's Vickery bidding. Someone bid fifty five. Yeah, it was AL only, by the way. I'll, I'll, I'll make clear. Yeah, you no, know,
1: in AL only, I, I bid uh, sixty one for Trumbo and AL and AL, uh, AL labor, and uh, the winner was sixty seven, which is you know that's that's the kind of numbers that win that win uh, bids. And all the bids, I looked at all the bids for Trumbo, and they were like sixty seven, fifty one, fifty seven, fifty six, fifty three, fifty one. You know.
0: <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to get stuck uh tying in a bid and you yeah. know sometimes people gravitate towards the the things that ending in five and zero and and so yeah i'm i'm always putting it and and maybe i don't necessarily want a guy that badly but I, I i wouldn't mind if i got him i'll do 19 you know just to kind of pump it up uh, knowing that i might not get him but but ensuring that it reaches a certain level on a guy too uh, but but yeah, again
1: I, all you're doing if you bid 20 is beating the guys who bid 16 and 17 exactly so it's just a weird, it's a weird, weird to do the the, the round numbers. It just doesn't really happen that often. So, um, yeah, I think 13 or 16 is really the choice for you with Suarez. Maybe if you just, if you're doing well and you just need a guy in there and you don't want to plu, you don't want to put a hole in your team by trading. 21 is defensible, especially if you have a decent amount of FAV left. But uh, anything beyond that, man, I'd feel so dirty. <laughs>
0: That's really funny. Uh all right, let's talk a few performances of late. Uh you have some comments on them specifically. Uh a guy we we've talked a little bit about in the past, Kyle Gibson. Guy was having a really good season, uh, results wise, but but the skills said be careful because um, you know, this much contact could be trouble. Weirdly enough, it's when he starts striking out guys that that he starts uh, getting knocked around and his last couple of starts haven't been you know nearly as good as Cal as Gibson had been running. He took a 261 ERA into the month and it's up to 324. He, he went seven innings, gave up five runs against Milwaukee, but struck out nine, went six innings, gave up five runs, four of them earned against KC, but struck out six. Not only did did you get six in, in six innings, but the, against KC that might as well be worth 10 uh, because they're so difficult to strike out. So he's having this interesting strikeout surge. And yet now the results are lagging. So uh, what, what are you seeing here? This is a guy that, you know, we, we look at the top two. We say Pelfrey and Gibson. They're, they're killing it, but they can't last. But of those two, Gibson's skills suggest that maybe he can push up toward his, his awesome results, whereas uh, Pelfrey's skills say that those results are going to come down toward those skills. What have you seen from Gibson. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's it's really upsetting to me that he now has three years in the big leagues and all of his K-9 start with five. So it, that's obviously why uh, his rest of season projections are going to start with five. Um, and there have been decisions, obviously, pitches for the Twins, who love uh, pitching to contact and pitching for the ground ball. Uh, so those, you know, and his ground ball rate's pretty good. So you could just believe the projections. That's, that's totally believable. But to me... You know, I also, when I watch him, I see, you know, 92 mile an hour fastball, slightly above average velocity, um, and, and he uses it pretty well. It's a pretty bendy pitch. Um, slider and a change, they're both good. Uh, both bend in different directions, both have decent amount of movement. The slider's 85, it's pretty good velocity for a slider. It's not, you know, plus plus, but it's pretty good. Um, this, the changes, you know, gives him seven, eight miles an hour difference. Um, and they both have great outcomes in terms of whiff rates. And the only reason that he doesn't get more whiffs is because he throws the fastball a lot. Now, one of the reasons I, I do like him this year is that he's been throwing, uh, you know, year to year he's throwing the fastball the least and the change up the most. And I, and I like that, uh, for his whiffs going forward. And then when I, when I look at his most recent starts, um, what he's done really well so far this year is um, be in the zone more and high in the zone with his fastballs and, uh, and then really push the slider and change uh, to you know, dropping below the zone. Um, so he's kind of pushed the separation between his, the vertical location of his fastballs and his, and his breaking stuff. He's pushed them away from each other. Um, so that, you know, there's kind of a sight line thing going on there. Um, and, you know, the possibility that he gets more whiffs with these high fastballs um, and more changeups and stuff. So, I, you know, I, I know that the rest of season projections are totally reasonable, and of course they are, and there's plenty of reasons to believe them. I think that in the last, you know, something like 26 innings, he has 26 strikeouts, and I'm not saying that he can strike out a batter per inning, but I think he can do better than five strikeouts for nine uh and his swing strike rate is average right now but that even could be changed if he just threw more sliders and changeups. so i i will take the under or i, I will over i don't know how to say it. i i will i like him better than his rest of
0: season yeah y- y- that, that that's it i i understand what you're saying especially when you're talking about like <laughs> eras uh how how do you want to say it yeah i i know that you're 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 on Gibson, and I agree, too, because whenever I've seen him live, uh, I've liked the stuff, and uh, I've been impressed, and this is the guy I've been waiting for, definitely talked him up a bit in the SP guide this year, um, you know, but said when those results got so good, I'm like, well, it, it, unless he changes something, they're not going to last, so so be careful, but, uh, you know, Gibson's missing more bats lately. You definitely have to like that. Um, and he and- has a
1: rising, four seam fastball, so... You know, if he starts, if he if he can use that a little bit, you know, Hughes like uh, that would be that would be a, a weapon for for pop ups and for whiffs. So, I mean, if you look at the shape of all these pitches, they're
0: all good. I know that there there are reasons to be interested in in Kyle Gibson, the huge, you know, the huge ground ball rate, and and if he is missing more bats, if he can do that regularly, you know, uh, at least the swing and strike rate is up with regard to the the improved strikeouts as well. You know, it's not like a, a weird Cal Hendricks thing where his swinging strike rate is actually well down from last year, yet his strikeout rate went surged yeah. by comparison. <laughs> uh, at least, you know, G- Gibson is kind of taking the steps. So I don't know. I, I still think this could be a, a, a season where – if he keeps pitching like this and the results follow, then all of a sudden we're seeing the better results and the skills to match. So he remains intriguing, but he was an easy sell before before these couple of uh, starts of regression. Now you don't have to uh, be so worried about the fall, I think, if he can kind of make these two things work together. Some of the stuff that he was doing earlier in the season with the recent strikeout surge. Uh, yeah. Another another guy a little bit remarkable
1: uh, actually i mean the first four starts of the season he had six strikeouts and four and four starts
0: two were uh strikeout lists and that's crazy i mean you you just it stands out so much when, when a guy even the worst strikeout guys don't have a lot of strikeout free games it's just more ones and twos it's so weird when a guy throws you know four or five innings even and doesn't get a single strikeout
1: yeah and i'm hoping i'm hoping yeah you and he didn't have any homers back then. And then, you know, in the last four games with all these strikeouts, he's had uh, six homers. But I, you know, I hope the Twins aren't being like, we told you. I hope, uh, <laughs> I hope he sort of sticks with it and, um, and, uh, and gives at least a couple more starts with the strikeouts because uh, strikeouts are good.
0: I love the guy, whoever that is, like from the front office who calls down. Uh, excuse me, Kyle. We told you, sir. <laughs> Good job there with all those home runs. Now you have your strikeouts, you stupid idiot. Hangs up real fast. Uh, yeah, that, that, uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. But we do know that the Twins are allergic to strikeouts, so maybe they are definitely calling down and saying, listen, we told you. Uh, we got to talk about another guy here, a little bit lower on the uh, uh, on the scale, like, like like a Kyle Gibson, maybe even lower than Gibson, but maybe deserves some attention here because uh, Chris Coughlin – Hit his eighth home run yesterday, and that leaves him one shy of his total from last year, nine, uh, which will match a career high, something he's done twice. But he's done he's done this in far fewer at-bats. He had 432 uh, – well, 385 plate, uh, at-bats, 432 plate appearances. He's got 184 plate appearances this year. Where's all this power coming from from Coughlin? Is he just selling out for, for bombs, or is there something here to like about the former uh, rookie of the year, as if that matters?
1: I mean, he's 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 different. I mean, that that's got to be good enough. I mean, he's 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 doing things differently. Okay, he, you know, it, it's um, the lowest uh, the lowest ground ball rate of his career.
0: He's crushing uh,
1: the ball. The highest pull percentage of his career, and the highest hard hit percentage of his career. So he's he's crushing the ball. It, it, it reminds me of the kind of stuff you see from Marlon Byrd, Justin Turner. I was going to um, mention Bird. You know, that's a great one. Huh? Yeah, because it, it reminds me of the, like, the selling out for power because this, like, all-fields approach that I did, you know, didn't really get me that far. I, anyway, you know, it's like... Exactly. You know, he did... I wouldn't bet on uh, a great Babbitt. You know, his career Babbitt is 316. Last year, he even had a 337, 322 before that. Yeah, but that was uh, a different
0: player, like you're saying. You know,
1: I think... uh I think it, you know, and Bar- Bird actually was a little bit like this, where Bird had, you know, decent babips, decent batting averages, you know, seven homers and 12 stolen bases, and you know, was barely in baseball. And um, and then he decided, well, I'm just going to sell out for power. And it, it, what's amazing for Coughlin is uh, that it hasn't turned into a crazy swinging strike rate. Right and with Bird, he, the swinging strike rate went way up. Oh but- yeah. Uh, Coughlin's still managing to, to look about the same as he's been at least recently, with a sort of league average strikeout rate and slightly better patience. Um, you know, he is still a lefty platoon bat, so he's not gonna he's not gonna be a twelve teamer anytime soon. Sure. Uh, but uh, but a DFS play. Of, yeah, DFS against a righty. Um, I'd but, like to look a little bit closer into uh, you know what pitches he's he likes. I know that the the pitch type values uh, say it's not fastball, so um, maybe if he's up against—I mean, Kyle Hendricks uh, is on his team, but uh, <laughs> maybe if he was up against, you know, a, a finesse changeup guy, um, you know, maybe even like against a James Shields type, he might be an interesting play. Um, maybe because... you know, um,
0: maybe he's realizing that that, like you said, like the Marlon Bird thing, kind of selling out for the power. That can base that can help him get paid. You know that can keep him, uh You know, get him another contract. Look at look what Bird got this off season at his age. Well, Coughlin is is uh, a good bit younger. He's only he's only in his age 30 season right now. And if he can put up a couple 20 homer seasons,
1: yeah. You know
0: that's gonna keep you around for a while. So yeah, I think he's altered his approach based on the game that we're in too, because he knows, uh, or or he maybe he's realizing I, I shouldn't put this on him but since he made such a drastic change i'm going to assume that he's realizing that yeah uh, you know kind of an empty 270 isn't going to do me any good even a 280 if i can get some pop then i can even hit 240 and i'm still going to be an asset because being able to leave the yard is so precious yeah All right. Let's talk about uh, another guy here. We're going further down. I promise we'll get we'll move back up on the ladder, the talent ladder in in a little bit here. But I just got to figure out if you if you're putting anything into what we've seen from this guy, uh, especially because it hasn't been all great, but it's Stephen Drew. And I think he hit two bombs the other night off of Max Scherzer, which uh, a great night. Uh, he's got 9 for the season but a 173 average. I mean, it is really all or nothing right now. A 603 OPS uh because because he's been able to hit nine homers. Is there anything here with with Steven Drew at age 32 or is uh you know can, can his other numbers kind of catch up to the power output or is he just literally only selling out for power?
1: Uh I mean, if he was selling out for power, you'd think he'd have a worse strikeout rate. He's one of the better swinging strike rates of his career.
0: Like, one of the best strikeout rates he's had in five years. It is the best in five years. Yeah, and,
1: you know, if you were just, uh, you know, like, in my infancy as a fantasy baseball guy, I probably would have been like, oh, he's ready to go. He's got a 196 BABIP. He's, you know, (laughs) or 161. I mean, it's going to regress, but... You know that's obviously you know I think at times he's looked like he's almost done, and oh yeah, he's a he's definitely uh, a big infield fly ball guy, uh, so that's why none of his uh, Babbitt's are going to regress to even league average. I mean, if you look at his rest of season projections, the babbits are two thirty, two sixty, and two fifty. So
0: yeah, it, the two sixty uh, might be aggressive. It re- it really might.
1: Yeah, and I just I can't imagine because with the babbitt. You know, even with a decent um, uh, walk rate, the the, the on the base percentage is going to be so low. I can't imagine that the team is going to keep running him out there.
0: It, it, you know? it seems tough with these numbers. And you know, again, you say, well, you want to look at it and want to think it's going to regress. He did basically the same line last year for 300 plate appearances. So this is now like 500 plate appearances of this Drek where there's where there's a touch of power. But, yeah. but, but nothing else. And yeah, he improved the strikeout rate this year, but it, it, he's not seeing any dividends from it because he's just popping out more. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's like that, that's what his trade off is. Oh, I'm striking out less, but I'm, I'm popping out more often. So I just wanted to bring him up because he does have nine bombs and we've talked about the wasteland that nine is shortstop.
1: And the, the worst hard hit percentage of his career, <laughs> it,
0: it, it, and, and let me see, let me before I make the comment. Oh yeah,
1: out. He's pulling, he's pulling more than ever. The last two years, he just decided to pull everything.
0: Um, and six of them are at home, so it's not it's nice. not just the stadium, but obviously that's that's playing a big component. Both of those Which ones, almost
1: just the stadium. If he's pulling everything, and he goes to the Yankees, I was trying to be nice. Six pull percentages of his career.
0: I was trying and, to be nice. Uh, he's got two two homer games, both at home.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a DFS play for you.
0: Yeah, there you go. And, and you know, it, but if you had him against Max Scherzer, even if it was your last pick, I still hate you. Because there's like, that's just way too lucky to get two freaking bombs from probably like your $2,000 Steven Drew against the, the you know, best pitcher going. Uh, that's just crazy. But anyway, another guy who had a huge night that night, uh, that that two-homer night, is Chris Heston. He of the the no hitter here, and we've talked a bit about him in the past, um, and, and so I don't know that you know a lot has changed since the no hitter uh, in terms of you know how we how we analyze this guy. Uh, the weird thing is, you look at him and you want to think like he's just going to be one of those guys. He's going to go out there. He's going to give you a quality outing every time. He's going to have that high floor. Actually, no, it's it's been the opposite. He's been remarkably volatile. It isn't just a couple starts and coolers that have been bad. He's given up uh, five-plus – in five outings, but then one or fewer in all the rest and the other seven including the no hitter. So Chris Heston's been really boomer bust. He, he he might play like this, this workhorse innings eater who just kind of gives you a quality start or maybe seven and three every time out. No, it, it, it's not like that. You can get a shutout or, or he'll be in the showers by four innings. What do you what do you make of Chris Heston? Um, you know now now that we've seen now a, a big flash of brilliance, are you changing it all on him? Or are you still kind of the same that he's just okay, but not great?
1: Well, I, d- I did an interview with him earlier this season. I just kept sitting on it, waiting for something to happen. Uh, for did he finally
0: to... do something worthwhile? Yeah, well, okay. no, it was good enough. <laughs> he's like, okay, that, and, was, uh... that good, was that good enough. He texts you, was that good enough to run the story? <laughs> yeah. You know. Dick, I swear. Uh, so, uh,
1: but um, so there's a couple things, and it, it and I hate to pull people in different directions, but this is how how analysis works, right? It's like there's there's always good and bad. So the good stuff is he put on 15 pounds of weight. Uh, he put on a tick on the on the gun. Uh, he put on more movement and has great movement on a sinker. So uh, that those things are why. He was an org guy. He was released by the Giants. But since then, he's gotten his elbow healthy, he's put on weight, he's put on velocity, he's put on movement. So that's how uh, Chris Heston got to be relevant at all. Um, And, you know, the next part of the question is, well, uh, can we find a pattern to these blowups? It's not always away from home, although only one of the five-run uh, outbursts has been at home, or two. Two of them have been at home. And then uh, the other
0: three would- are all at Great Parks. I mentioned the two in Coors
1: and yeah, then the other one never- in Cincy. I mean, he did have he did keep Houston to one run with ten strikeouts and no walks, but I think the commonality is the walks because uh, in yeah. all of his five-run things, uh, except for one Colorado one, which you never know, I think Colorado is just, you kind of almost want to take it out of it. Yeah, I mean,
0: that, that's what I say. You, that, you, you can't give three, him a break on those
1: walks. two. He usually had he had three walks, and then the other ones he had zero or one. And um, you know some you know some of the scouting reports said, well, he has a crossfire delivery, and he's always gonna uh, you know have some trouble with command. But I talked to him about that, and he was like, no, I mean, I don't know. I and this is what Jake Arietta was saying to me, uh, which is that sometimes it doesn't matter what the Delivery looks like, and this is something that I think there's a lot of sort of armchair um, guys out there who are talking about mechanics. I think repeatability is a little bit more important um, sometimes than the actual mechanic. Then the yes, than mechanics. the actual. Maybe if you repeat, I and, I and I think this this actually has come out in the numbers. I mean, obviously, what what some analysts are saying is that even if if you repeat the wrong thing over and over again, you're going to get hurt. Uh, but uh, a it's beyond most of us to to, to predict when when injuries happen, mm. and B one of the best things that we ever found for injury prediction was that lower uh, walk and higher zone uh, percentage pitchers had the best health outcomes, uh, which is I think a proxy for the repeatability of your delivery. So yeah, that's, Heston, I agree. You know, so Heston said to me, uh, you know I don't you know I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if it's ideal, but all I've done is work on. Uh, b- making it more repeatable. So I think um, in his particular case, I've seen him get rattled a couple times by non-calls, and I think that's when he gets these big innings. He's still, you know, he's still a rookie, um, you know, not exactly without, you know, overpowering stuff. So when he when he's not getting the calls, and in the no hitter, he was getting all the calls. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and that that sort of explains the sort of upside and downside if you're like really advanced dfs um and and you've got a sense of the umpire's behind the zone uh behind the plate and their zones um you know i think that a good low zone and and good uh, low corner zone is big for him because he pounds the zone with a sinker and he if he can sort of expand that a little bit down to the bottom um he'll, then he'll
0: drop that dirty curve in there too
1: right right so i mean i think he has enough stuff to be uh, always relevant to be a major league pitcher And to me, the aggregate, I I point to the Braves era, Tim Hudson, um, as a possible outcome for him, where he's got these sort of six, seven strikeouts per nine, uh, you know, one and a half to two walks per nine, so pretty good walks per nine, Mm -hmm. you know, 50% ground balls, very useful in real life. Uh, a little bit harder to, to figure out how to own in, in fantasy. You know, do you want to own him in deeper leagues without innings limits where you can kind of just compile a little bit? Yeah. Uh, you want to try and, and hit on these days like Houston and against New York and get these, you know, big, big days of his and, and gamble on him? Because he's probably, with the blow-ups, I mean, maybe he's not going to be cheap next time out, but I think he probably will be still one of the cheaper starters in DFS. because. I mean,
0: if, if you've been playing him, You know, kind of trying to guess, then you've probably only got burned twice the San Diego and Pittsburgh ones at home because you weren't messing with him in Colorado either time for sure. And you weren't messing with him in Cincinnati because
1: Houston, but (laughs) yeah, I
0: mean, yeah, exactly. You, you, you might've passed on Houston, but even then I, I think a lot of DFS folks still pick on Houston, even knowing the risk because the upside can be so high. So I I could even see him having been used there. But yeah, if you, if you've been kind of playing along, i kind of like these profiles though, a little bit more than even the kind of the steady Eddie who really is only kind Kind of in that uh, uh, five to seven innings and and, and three to four runs every, every time. This guy he shows the potential for greatness. So if he can uh, tighten it up uh, and figure out what what sends him awry uh, outside of Coors, you know, we'll, again we'll give him a pass on those two, but he still has three duds. And if it is the walks and and the and the repeating, and he can iron that out, then all of a sudden you're talking about somebody who can be that 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 next level. The more you can have the command regularly that's how you kind of move up levels if you start as a five and you improve your command you can become a four and i think you know once once you're kind of set and he's 27 his stuff isn't going to change a lot the ability to better yourself is all about command obviously
1: yeah and i think in his is not necessarily necessarily like innate command it's like interaction of his command with the, the strike zone that's being called that day.
0: Yes, no, and that's uh, a good point. And, that, and that's where it comes with the fact that he doesn't have the great stuff, that he also needs that little bit of extra help, whether it's from Posey um, or the umpire, uh, or I, obviously in a lot of cases both.
1: You know, I think if you were watching that, that game, he hit three batters. It's not actually that surprising because I think what he was getting in the zone was uh, an expansion inward. You know, Mm -hmm. I think he was getting a lot of inside strikes and so so he was just pushing it. Yeah. And he just didn't want to. He doesn't want to put it in the middle of the zone. So, you know, if if you ask me from a movement standpoint, um, you know, do I like him? It's all there. I mean, it's there's not great velocity, but the movement is great. Where Chichi Gonzalez has this weird, you know, everything's up and down and nothing side to side. Uh, You know, Chris Heston has up and down movement and side to side, a sinker. Uh, has you know two or three more inches of, of fade than usual. Has like four or five inches more drop than usual. The change two inches more fade than usual. Five inches more dr- or three inches more drop than usual. The slider has more drop than usual and has it's like a wicked side to side slider. And then the curve, um, the curve is dirty. You know, the curve is dirty and it's and it's it's dirty without being a high velocity curve, which is usually how you get your whiffs. It's just uh, I think it has slightly unique. You know, because uh, your normal curve uh, movement from a righty that's like twelve to six mm-hmm. is uh, on pitch of x is six minus six, and his is his is eight minus five, which means it has a little bit more horizontal movement uh, than usual and a little bit less vertical drop. But it might mean that he he doesn't have to necessarily throw it in the ground. You know, he can kind of uh, he can kind of command a little better. In any case, it's it's working for him. The outcomes on it are great. Uh, it's probably one of the better uh, curves because it's got 15% whips and the average is 11. So it's probably, you know, among starters, probably like a top 10 thing. All right. Well, Slide 18% whips change 13% whips. I mean, everything, everything checks up. I mean, he's a, he's a good player.
0: I got to give you some names then. Um, I'm going to go with a few names that he's currently ahead of. Chris Heston is currently ahead of on the ESPN Player Raider uh, among starting pitchers. And, and these are names that you, you, you probably wouldn't have considered him uh, to be above. So that's why. Let's see, let's, see if, let's see if what they've done to date, both players, has changed your perception. Uh, Chris Heston or Trevor Bauer?
1: Nah, I take Bauer. Uh, you know, I know Bauer had a, had a bad outing. And, sure. um, and
0: that, and that they're, they're very close. They're one spot apart, and Carlos Carrasco's in between. And I'm not even going to ask you on Carlos Carrasco because I know the answer. Um, and so that means Bauer just went below Heston. So th- I, I definitely understand that one. And I think I'm sticking with yeah. Bauer there. Too. I, not even That's, think. I definitely am.
1: There's like a, a, a good uh, percentage to point or plus of a whiff rate between them. And. Um, just in terms of stuff, Bowers got more uh, power. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit concerned that Bowers' ba- uh, walk rate is back up a little bit. But um, uh, as long as he can keep the, the homers down, I think uh, he can kind of keep doing what he's doing. Whereas Heston is a little bit more up and down. Especially, I mean, you know, it, it kind of goes to what we were talking about in terms of how you need to use these guys but if I needed to use them every time out I'd rather have Bauer
0: I would too I, I think you know if there's, there, there might still be a, a hiccup every once in a while but I think he's really cut uh, the frequency of the hiccups Bauer has, you know, he's had three of them this year in in, in 12 starts, and he's been so good in the other nine that uh, he's still toting a 3.53 ERA, and and the potential is just sky high. Whereas, you know, I think Heston's probably operating at his at his peak level here. Maybe can chisel a little bit more off that ERA, but I don't think that by season's end Heston's going to be somebody in the low threes with his ERA. Uh, let's do a couple more names. A, a, a big standout who was pretty close to Heston here. Uh, kind of out of nowhere, Nick Martinez or, or Chris Heston. Uh, Chris Heston. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, <laughs> so what I'm about Colin McHugh? There's a you know decent split. I was pretty. I'm pretty high on McHugh coming in. I think and I'm gonna stick with McHugh. Been- but it's he's got that homeritis. It's clo- it's a lot closer than obviously I thought it was going to be because I didn't give Heston two thoughts this this winter. Um, so yeah,
1: McHugh's rate McHugh's rate ten point six percent. That's got to be better than seven strikeouts per nine. I mean,
0: exactly. I mean, it's just weird. It's the homers right now that are really killing him, and even still with a four thirty four ERA, it's not good. I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend that but that's not that's not murdering your team you can you can ride out this storm with with McHugh he's I done, think he's done
1: enough.
0: Are
1: what I think strikeouts are common
0: I, I agree I agree uh so I'm gonna stick with him I just want to know if it if it had gotten close that's a little you. bit
1: closer I mean that's that's uh that's probably the closest because Nick, Nick Martinez was an easy no yeah uh Bauer was a little bit more of an easy yes so I think um that's uh that means that Heston's kind of, you know, rocketed up and I and I hate to, you know, be recency biased cuz he just had this good start, but I've been you know I've been watching him a lot. I'm out here in San Francisco and you know the family always puts the Giants on. So uh, I've always thought he had bendy pitches and I've just wondered, you know, how much he if he has enough command to overcome the velocity loss and I think uh, not not lost the velocity gap. I mean, yeah, just the isn't... lag,
0: the lag in velocity, you know, compared yeah. to average. Um, you know, and I think a lot of credit has to kind of go to what San Francisco is doing out there. Dave Rigetti and company. Um, you know, they get yeah, the
1: he most. Yeah, he, he mentioned it going into the season. I I did a, a you know sort of talk to him for about 45 minutes at media day, and Rigetti said, well, you know, we're not blessed with velocity here in, in San Francisco, and so we have to coach differently. So. I don't know what that means other than, you know, I don't know what that means in sort of brass taxes and and exactly I mean,
0: what it did. But. Yeah, I, I... Whatever it means, I, I'm sure it just means a, a little bit extra has to be given, whether it's to the secondaries or to the command and control, because you just don't have that margin for error. And so you're going to have to make it up elsewhere. And and they do that whole staff up and down. And they've done it. You know, they've always gotten that extra level out of guys. You know, they turn let come into an ace. They turn uh, for a while. Uh, they turn Bumgarner into an ace, uh, you know, that Bumgarner came in with a lot of acclaim. He was supposed to be very good, but but the development still has to happen. No, no pitcher just plays his way uh, into becoming an ace. You know there has to become the there has to be the development around him. So you know even if Bumgarner came in with the expectation as you know top ten prospect that yeah he has that ace potential. The, the Giants still pulled that out, too. That the team still has a level on their side that they have to get. And so they do. And so that means they take even fives, fives maybe sixes like Heston, uh, just on the raw stuff, and they pull them up, get the command and control so he can utilize the stuff that he does have. And all of a sudden, we've got ourselves a useful pitcher. Yeah, and guess, guess who's uh, bottom five in the league in, in fastball percentage? Uh, the Giants? Or, or are you saying Heston specifically?
1: No, the Giants. So yeah. I, I think that's probably a little bit of the wrinkle. Uh, the Astros, too, who are kind of dumpster diving for pitchers a little bit. Yep. Um, you know, they both – They both. I mean, the Astros, I actually right now have it for starters. So I'm kind of surprised the Astros are last um, in the league. Uh, but, um, you know, I, you, if you think about their starters, is not a big fastball among them. No.
0: Uh, I mean, it could change. Obviously, um, as the – Yeah, Velasquez New-
1: has, has yeah, some the- velocity.
0: McCullers does as well. Uh, um, yeah. So they're going to start to move up with, if those two continue to stick. And obviously Velasquez had a nice debut. McCullers has been great through five, but the other guy their, their staples coming in uh, Feldman who's now in the DL, but then Keiko McHugh, it's it's not it's not fastball dependent uh for them to be good so all right let's talk about a few call-ups and then go ahead and, and, and get out of here for the week a uh, handful of guys who have some acclaim in the prospect world but that doesn't mean it's going to instantly translate to fantasy but i want to know if you if you're seeing anything with some of these guys let's start with mason williams uh for the yankees this was a guy who got a lot of prospect run you know appearing on top 100 lists uh for three straight years from 2012 through 2015 or excuse me through 2014 uh you know fell off this year now 23 wasn't great last year in fact uh i'm underselling it he, he wasn't just not great last year he was absolutely awful he had a 593 <laughs> ops in a full season at double a for mason williams as a 22 year old uh you know did another tour of duty there did all right Big 407 OPS really – or excuse me, OBP helped him out because it, it was still just a 782 OPS for him and then had a, a quick 20-game tour in AAA and did all right there. Mason Williams, outfielder for the Yankees, anything to look at here?
1: Yeah, I think you're going to have to look past the um, preseason projections uh, that, that pop up if you press projection because um, I think I think there's a definite skill change there. Uh, he'd never walked more than he struck out before. Um, and he did that at two levels, uh, this year. So, uh, to me, that, that suggests that something, something is good's going on there. The best, the best strikeout rate of, uh, his minor league career, uh, when you, you know, seen in an aggregate and, uh, that's, that's gotta be great news for him because he's not a power guy. So he's, exactly. he's just, uh, loaded up on the contact and the patience and, um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna call up his ground ball rights to see if uh, he made a change there. But okay, well, I see.
0: You know, while huh? you're looking for that, I'll, I'll, I'll expound a little bit on, the, on what you're saying there with regards to the fact not a power guy had shown a few flashes here and there. But I don't think it was ever really going to be a big part of the package, so he's really just embraced you know the, the contact get on base. Uh, this 397 OVP that he had across these two levels, you know far and away the highest that, that he's had in these last three years. he had a 395 back in low A at age 19, but that was with a 350 batting average. So again, the skill change that you're talking about for Mason Williams is a real hard focus on, on walks and contact and, and not striking out. Uh, yeah, the
1: uh, lowest uh, the lowest out, outfield fly ball rates of uh, of his minor league career this year. So um, he just focused on hitting it, uh, hitting line drives and uh, hitting ground balls. So and uh, his Babbitt went through the roof because he's he's athletic. He's a, he's a fast guy.
0: Absolutely, I was uh, going to mention the speed. So we got thirteen stolen bases in fifty four games so far, but thirteen for twenty. I think they'll give him a chance to come up, get on base via the walk or the hit, and then run a bit. But if he doesn't, if he has that kind of inefficiency, I think that I think the Yankees would slow him down. First off, um, okay, maybe we can get some average and speed. But what kind of playing time do you think he's looking at?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, uh, I do think that Chris Young has one foot in the grave, um, and I mean, I don't mean that literally. That's I know. Nice. <laughs> uh and he and he has had he has hit seven homers, but that the whole the whole team can't be hitting two twenty. So um, you know, I don't think that the, the Yankees necessarily need uh power from their fourth outfielder as much as they need um what I think Williams could give them, which is defense and on base percentage possibly and, yeah. and some speed. Uh, so I do think there's a there's a chance of I'd give it maybe thirty percent or so uh, that Mason Williams plays his way into a job. There's okay. not a lot of development that needs to be left. Um, you know, having Mason Williams as your fourth outfielder behind Carlos Beltran, um, you know, once Ellsbury's back, I think that could be very useful. You play offense-defense with Beltran and Williams. It's a little bit better than playing offense-defense with him and Young. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to keep Ellsbury healthy once he's back, you, you take him out early and put Williams in there. Um, this kind of package that could get Williams, like 200, 300 plate appearances the rest of the way. Maybe he steals. Maybe he becomes sort of like Dyson-esque. What about,
0: uh, uh, so, you know, if he can get to be Dyson-esque, then we could talk uh, shallow or mixed league. I don't think we're talking about that yeah. just yet. Yeah. But what are we talking about in a... uh a fill-in,
1: maybe? Like a head-to-head league? An AL-only? AL you know? AL-only. Uh, you know, fill-ins are worth it. Um, but, you know, not worth... More than three to five, six bucks, I don't think. Because,
0: okay, so don't go bananas.
1: Because, uh, you know, he could just be up for two weeks and Ellsbury's back, you know? Exactly. And then they decide Chris Young is an asset they want to keep around. They send Williams back down. I mean, okay. Ellsbury's hitting off a tee already.
0: So, so or, yeah. You're, you, or yeah, well, as the like Roger Wire
1: update says, he's hitting off a tie. A tie.
0: <laughs> and when you're hitting off a tie, that's when you know the guy's about to come back. that's like that's the sign Uh, okay so Mason Williams has some intrigue here what about Jorge Polanco shortstop for the twins it's been brutal there we talked about Danny Santana actually maybe that was me and Jason too you know I can't keep it straight but uh, you know Danny Santana was sent down Everyone kind of saw his fade coming, maybe not to this level, but then he got sent down. So now Jorge Polanco's up. I think he's been up in the past. Yeah, he got a little, a very small taste last year, eight plate appearances. So who even cares? Uh, but what... I have,
1: I have a note from RotoWire here saying Polanco was sent back down again.
0: Oh, already? I saw him up yesterday. I'm sorry, then uh, skip it.
1: It was brief. He must have been. No, he must have been sent down after the game. I mean, six uh, ten is the is the is the news. So. Goes one for uh, three,
0: but that, but chucks the ball around. I think he had a I think he had a pretty ugly error. So they're like, listen, bro, <laughs> we had that garbage earlier with somebody. We don't need that. Actually, what was the voice? He does have the best offensive upside of any guy that they can put it short. So. Oh my God, uh, Billy Burns just made an amazing catch. Sorry to interrupt you. That was. Oh, I have to Billy Burns is ridiculous. Uh, you're right though. There is some offensive upside here. Um, you know, if you, if they hey, do you call. And the
1: question up, I've been getting: Is Billy Burns? Uh, a uh what the hell is happening to my channels here? They changed stuff? Um is Billy Burns a mixed leaguer?
0: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think I think he absolutely is. I mean this is he's gonna be a speed demon a top a lineup. It, it doesn't even have to be a great lineup. And actually the Oakland lineup really isn't uh all that bad give it, despite what their record might suggest to you because they they hit very well against right handers they're their top five team against uh, right handers so you got a team that uh, is, is top five against the majority of the league he's crushing it he's, he can get on base doesn't have to hit his way on he, he can take a walk every once in a while he's got killer speed I lo- and the, the defense is keeping billy burns in the lineup yeah i think he absolutely should be uh mixed league relevant here with the uh, with, with that with that kind of speed and a little bit of pop I mean he's only he's only hit two home runs he might uh only double that but I don't know those when, even those guys those speed demons when they get five to six homers it feels just so much better than than your Jared zero. Dyson's that give you a zero <laughs> I mean it's just you know you see a two or, or I mean you see a one or a zero from Ben Revere. you're like I mean thanks for the average and and the speed I, that's what I got you for I didn't get you for power but that zero is so ugly so you mm-hmm. know e- even even a little bit of pop there for burns and obviously he's on pace for more than than uh, than four or five but even if that's all he does I, I still like that so yeah I, I think resoundingly that uh, that that Billy burns is a mixed leaguer
1: mm-hmm
0: uh, okay, let's talk about this. Uh, so then Polanco, we'll talk about him if he comes back up. But yeah, maybe an AL guy, if he can get up. What about Kyle Kubica? He's not a huge prospect, but I think David Fries has, has been uh, ailing. So his third base prospect, Kubitza that they got, uh, I believe, from the Braves this offseason. Am I, am I right on that? That would yeah. have been the uh, that would have been some deal. Some minor leaguers, Rich, Ricardo Sanchez and Nate Hyatt were the uh, were the players that went back the other way. So, 24 uh, year old, he was hitting all right at Triple A, but you gotta you gotta take a little steam out of that 8.14 OPS because it was in Triple A. And if you take Also that's PCL, uh, right? Yeah, uh, I, I I meant PCL, not Triple A, because uh. it's PCL. And then all of a sudden, if you're taking some air out of an 8.14 it's not that hot. So kind of blah, but is there anything here for an AL, AL only with uh, with Kyle Kubica at third base?
1: Too many strikeouts, too. Um, and, you know, 50% swinging strike rate.
0: Wait, that's what he's got so far? <laughs> yeah. Oh, in three plate appearances. Okay. Yeah. Um, by the way, Freeze is not on the disabled list yet. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be or not, but the hamstring that's been, you know, pulling him out. We don't know yet. It's just been a day-to-day situation. So uh, Kibitza could be back down in a flash too, similar to Polanco, if Freeze isn't going to hit the DL. So let's assume that any talk we say with regards to Kibitza is in the form of a Freeze DL stint.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's a, there's a slight possibility that um, that playing him uh, just against righties makes him a little better. I mean, 24% 24% strikeout rate in the minors versus 25% against uh, against lefties. Uh, I mean, that's not a big deal. But, um, you know, maybe that plays itself out a little bit more in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't see a lot here.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, they, they, not not a ton of great call-ups. As we, you know, talked about once once Correa and Velasquez. They're all up. <laughs> yeah, there's so many of them up. So the, these call-ups – it's going to be a little bit lean, but we still like to talk about these guys who can have single league capabilities as well. Uh, this one might be another one, our final one here. Taylor Youngman, a former first round prospect for the for the Brewers, who was supposed to be more than than he's been so far. 12th pick. I remember watching him at Texas. I was I was pretty impressed with him when I saw him in college. Uh, you know, I didn't know. If he could, I thought he could be better than this in the majors. I, I didn't know, but then the, the reports came in quickly uh, for his career that suggested that you know he's probably only going to play up to to a four, and that was an early time to be hearing that on on a guy who was a 12th pick. It, it seemed like after just a year in the minors they were saying that. So Youngman's uh, worked his way up now. He had a 6.37 in, in, in AAA before coming up, but again that's the PCL and Colorado Springs. So I f- I feel like you can. Basically, ignore that and look more at his skills, which are still pretty bland, but they're yep. not the, the god awful ERA that we're seeing here. So he had a uh, barely scraping by with a 1 9 strikeout to walk ratio because of too many walks. Decent enough strikeout rate at 8.2, but 4.4 walks per nine. That is not going to work. Came up, had his debut against the Pirates. Wasn't too bad for seven innings, five strikeouts, one walk. Gave up a homer, three hits. I think it was to Starling Marte. Looked all right. What do you expect out of the 25-year-old ready for the Brewers?
1: Not too much. I mean, when I look at him, I look, I, I see a little bit of uh, Jimmy Nelson without the velocity, which um, that's not good. That's not very good. I mean, that's like. <laughs> you know and Jimmy Nelson probably has better command so Jimmy Nelson without the velocity or command um
0: oh great let is... me go pay for that guy
1: let me roster yeah. that guy <laughs> i mean the change looks terrible it, it it just has bad shape and um he doesn't trust it and um the the four seam and the and the two seam don't have great velocity don't have great shape um the slider looks okay the the curve is kind of big. It's eight minus six, uh,
0: but it's uh, he, it's his third pitch, um, and uh, the, the curve was pretty well. From what I remember of it, was pretty good in, in college. But uh, you
1: yeah, know, he's dropping good that.
0: He, he was dropping that in as a finisher on guys who who couldn't who couldn't hang with him at all in, in college. He was great, but uh, unfortunately, Youngman is not that. Uh, not I, I just I just don't see a lot here because there, there's been nothing to suggest that he's going to be special. So if he was, it would just be so out of, you know, from what we're seeing here that I, I can't project even really uh, NL only league viability right now. I'd have to, I'd yeah, have to see a lot cool. at the major league level to start getting on board here.
1: Maybe if they got, if, uh, if they got traded and you need a home, you know, sort of a home run hero pick, uh, near the end of your, uh, because, and not if he got traded, if, if somebody like Loesch or, um, cause there, there are some trade rumors uh, the Mets are um, knocking at the door. But, they, you know, a, a pitcher might come in the trade, too. I mean, I, I know the Mets are trying to get Aramis Ramirez, and um, uh, the, the, the rumor was Nice. but uh, I mean, yeah, they, all they've got is pitching to, to give. Right. So, I don't know. I, my note for him is uh, Jungmann is German for young man.
0: Interesting. That is a great note. Okay, so that with that in mind, now I want to pick him up. Now, um, you know, he could be he he could be a ground ball guy. I think um, who yeah. can kind of make up for some some of the skills being problematic. Listen, four percent walk rate in his first game, only one game. If he could manage the walks, that's his route to to any. Oh,
1: you know viable. what? He had good ground ball rates in the minors. That? He, had some really good ones. he had some really good ground yeah, ball yeah.
0: rates. So I, f- I feel like he can, he can do that, and that can make up f- for the fact that the Youngman's strikeout rate is not overwhelming. I think the 19% that he showed in the one game, and I know, you know we're talking about one game here, but that's going to be kind of where he lives. But right now, based on what we've seen in the minors, it looks like that the 4% walk rate that he has uh, probably needs to at least be doubled just as a starting point. Uh, so yeah. unless he fixes that, it's just not going to be special, and this team's having troubles right now. I just don't know how great it's going to be in Milwaukee uh, for a guy like that. But you yeah. know, I guess if you're the best, I can say is if you're desperate, throw a buck in NL uh, only. But that that's really the best I can do right now for Youngman. Sorry, I know he's a Texas uh, uh, alum like myself, but uh, can't do it right now. Sorry, Taylor.
1: You know, Chichi Gonzalez. Uh gonna make me look foolish maybe I don't know he had had some trouble with command early in this game against the A's that's on right now
0: he's pitch um, he, he just hit uh, he just hit Brett Laurie, so I'm sure that made him a hero think, for a lot of people but there's maybe there's something about him I don't know it's uh, it's a bit like I
1: said in my piece and maybe in the last cast he's definitely got a weird uh, selection of movement I mean it's a lot of up down stuff I, I, I have a feeling that uh, people are gonna figure him out I think that uh the first time through people are going to be like, Well, this is weird Everything's everything's just straight up down, and then and then at some point they're going to just time it, but um we'll he, see
0: he, he the one thing I will say for certain is that no matter how good the first run through is, I' definitely got to see a second run before
1: yeah, uh, you track. know
0: sure. I, I, basically I, that's, I'm taking a different way of agreeing with you the same way, saying like, okay, because if you can do it a second time okay but yeah I, right now it's, it's it's a lot of smoke and mirrors with what he's doing um you know which i guess that that, that diminishes it but uh, i guess i'm trying to because he doesn't miss a lot of bats and I, I just i don't love it but anyway uh let's go ahead and get out of here you know we'll be back in a couple days i'll be back with jason on sunday until then take care and enjoy all of the baseball
1: all of it